His holy presence today, the rock of ages left for us. And let's remember George's mom who had heart surgery, doing very well. Uh, let's pray for uh, Armida Medina, Monica's mom, having some tests and trying to figure out what they're going to do next. And then also Kurt and his family be moving to Washington State, so we want to pray for them. So let's bow our heads together. If you have a special prayer request in addition, would you raise your hand up, hold it up for just a moment? All over the building, all right? Our Father, you know the hearts of every single one of us here. You know how weak we really are. You know how absolutely dependent we are upon your blessings. Father, we meet this morning in absolute vain if you're not here. And yet when you're here, then, Father, there's no better place to be in the whole world. So we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and to our minds. I pray, God, that you would reason with us, that we would understand uh, how important it is to follow you day by day. Father, I pray for the folks who had their hands raised, most of whom I, I don't know what their needs are specifically, but I'm so thankful we serve an omniscient God who knows all of our needs simultaneously, and you're not overwhelmed by the least of any of them at all. Father, I thank you for being with George's mom and her procedure, surgical procedure, amazing what you've allowed doctors and nurses to do. And Father, I pray that you would continue to bless her physically, spiritually, emotionally, in every way. But I pray for Monica's mom, for Armida, dear lady, strong lady, battling uh, disease and having come through that, Lord, uh, now anticipating what maybe you have in the future, we pray that you would provide her every need, that you would confound the doctors by healing her just outright. We know that you can. Father, for Kurt and for his wife and son, I pray your blessings upon them as they relocate, that you would work out all of the details that you would provide their every need. Father, thank you for being a God who loves us in spite of ourselves. Thank you for being here with us today. Bless us as you have through the songs. Bless us in the testimonies we'll hear about missions and also, Father, in the message from your word as we talk about eyewitness evidence of the fact of Christmas. We thank you for all of that in Jesus' name, and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Boys and girls, would you come up to the front? Come on up to the front just for a few moments. We're going to have a real short little time because we've got a couple of missionaries we're going to hear from today. Uh, but uh, as all the young boys and girls come on up here, uh, I want to ask you a question and uh, see if you can give me an answer how many like candy? I think that's unanimous, all right? How many of you have a favorite candy at Christmas time? What's your favorite candy? Candy canes. All right, candy canes tell us a story, don't they? Maybe that's one of the things we'll go. Hi, baby. How are you? Thanks for coming up. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite candy? Cookies? Wait a minute. Candy, cookie. Okay, that'll work. Okay, that'll work. Anybody else have a favorite candy? Yes. Mints, like junior mints? Oh, yeah, those are good. Those are, yes, ma'am. You like mints too? Okay, all right. I have a favorite Christmas candy, and you're not going to believe what it is. It is M&M's. And you say, wait a minute, M&M's Christmas candy? What's the deal with that? Well, I'm going to tell you about that in just a moment, but first I'm going to give you all one. 
And you can't eat them until you ask your mama, uh-oh, I got one, and there's two. Oh, well, wait a minute. There's some more right over here. Here you go. All right. Now, what in the world, why would I think this is Christmas candy? Does anybody have an idea? I know that the M&Ms make some red and green ones, but unfortunately, uh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, all right. I'm not above bribing kids. So here's, here's how we're going to learn this is Christmas candy. Look at the screen behind you, and go ahead and put that slide up there. M&M Christmas poem. As you hold these candies in your hand and turn them, you will see the M becomes a W, an E, and then a 3. E is for the east where the stars shone so bright. M is for the manger where the baby Jesus slept at night. Three is for the wise men bearing gifts with which they came. W is for worship. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Every single one of those candies, every single one of those candies has the little M on there, but if you turn them, then they mean different things. And I'm going to ask that if you could, Sadie, could you share with your brother? Because I don't think I have enough for everybody to have one. But I wanted everybody to be able to take one home. And if I do have enough, I'll go ahead and here we go. Here we go. Here we go. I do have enough. There we go. All right. So who did I miss over here? Sadie? No, I got, oh, here you go. You gave it to your sister, didn't you? What a guy, huh? What a guy. All right. Yeah. So remember, the M&Ms can tell the Christmas story. And when you're eating M&Ms with your friends, try to remember what the E is for. It's for the East where the wise men came. The M is for the manger. The three is for the wise men. And the W is for worshiping the Lord. All right? That could be one of your favorite Christmas candies now, right? Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for these boys and girls. We thank you, Lord, for Jesus Christ who came to this world and died on the cross so that we could have eternal life by trusting in him. Bless these kids in their class right now. Bless us in the auditorium, too, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classes except for the older kids, and the older kids can wait in here. All right. We have some special guests with us today, and I'm excited about them being here. Jim Foster was a Navy brat, and now he's just a brat, uh, but a missionary with his wife, Christina, and daughter, Elise, to South Africa. And so we're going to use Bobby's microphone here. And Jim, would you come up, introduce your family, and give us a couple of words about what God's doing in South Africa? Thank you. Uh, my wife, Christina, and I have been married 22 years, and then our daughter, Elise, who's 18, our 20-year-old, we left behind in Colorado Springs. She's working at the Air Force Academy there, um, and we're leaving her behind as we go back to South Africa on the 10th of December. Just want to give you a little bit of a few pictures just to kind of tell you a little bit about who I am, and then we have a video we want to show to you. Uh, that's not the right one. That's the other video presentation, but that's okay, or the, the other slide presentation. But we are missionaries serving in South Africa. I've been there for 16 years now. Um, I, as Pastor Bays mentioned, I grew up, uh, my dad was in the Navy for 20 years, and served there. Uh, I was born in Pensacola, Florida, but whenever people ask me where I'm from, it's kind of hard to answer that when you grew up all over the place. And so I spent a lot of time growing up actually right here in San Diego. 
and is there where we were privileged to go to uh, Midway Baptist when I was in high school and uh, graduated from there in 1991 uh, and then went to college. And as I was in college, I actually went to Bible college, but to get an accounting degree because I, I felt like I wanted to be involved in church ministry, but missions was something that I never felt like I could do. I never felt like I had enough ability to be a missionary. Missionary, missionary work was for special people that had special talents. It wasn't for ordinary guys like me. But then God started working my heart actually through a, a, a fighter pilot who had been uh, flown in World War II. His name was Jack McGuckin. He actually wrote a book called Split Second from Hell where he literally felt like he came seconds from hell because he, uh, when he was in the military, he wasn't saved and uh, crashed his airplane. God saved him from that. But then he surrendered to be, do missionary work in South America. And it was under his preaching. And by the way, that's my dad. He was in the Navy. It was a helicopter pilot for 20 years. And then w we moved to Pensacola, Florida. And uh, that's where I went to university. But if you'll go to the next slide, you'll see my graduation. Actually graduated. There's Pastor Bays, of course, there. In 19, I found that picture. Okay, just to embarrass Pastor Bays. But there I am in the middle. And then if you go, we're just going to go quickly through this since we've already taken up most of my time. Uh, so we went to Brazil, actually, for a year did short-term missions work, and that's where I saw what an impact we could have in the lives of children through Christian school. So in addition to planning churches, we were involved in a Christian school ministry in Brazil for a year, uh, about 20 years ago. And then after that, we came back to the States, and our first prayer card will be the next slide, uh, and that is what my children looked like when we first started raising support. That's Elise, when she was a baby there, and then our older daughter, Brianna, who's not with us. And then if you go to the next slide, we went to South Africa to do church planning. We've been involved in about four or five different church plants in the last 16 years, as well as, if you go to the next slide, also Christian school ministry in a low-income community. It's actually a barbershop. You can actually get your hair cut in that container. And, um, but there are some of the houses in the neighborhood of the school where we minister. It's really a low-income community that really needs good education. But not only that, they need the light of the gospel. A lot of gangs, a lot of drugs, a lot of bad stuff going on in that community, but we're a real light in that community. So if you go to the next uh, slide, there you see a graduation of our kindergarten class from 2001 to 2018. That school has been uh, serving the community of Malibu Village, very different from Malibu, California. But, uh, and we, I've had the privilege of teaching. I just took over as a principal. In fact, we start out with quite a few volunteer missionaries who've been uh, serving at the school. And now we transition to mostly South Africans, including myself. And so we'll just go to the next couple slides quickly. And there are some of our students at our school. Uh, we're trying to raise funds while we're here in the States for scholarships for the students, as well as for our own ministry so that we can go back. We're actually already uh, uh, flying out on the 10th of December. And so if you'll pray for us, I've got prayer cards in the back. would encourage you to come talk to us. Yeah, okay, so yeah, let me mention that. I didn't want to go over my time, but we are trying to find for about 50 more students. We've got about 68 uh, in, in school next year. We're trying to find scholarships, uh, sponsorships, so that they can afford to go to our school. It does cost more than that to go to our school, but we're trying to make it affordable to them so they pay what they can afford and then we pay, provide the rest. So if you'll come see me, we're still looking for sponsorship for 2019 school year for about 50 more students. So I. We do. We use a combination of Abeka, Bob Jones, South African curriculum. It is Bible-based. They memorize a lot of scripture. It's very similar to what I grew up, you know, having. And, you know, if it wasn't for those Christian teachers that I had growing up who really encouraged me to serve the Lord, and, you know, I don't think I would be where I am today as a missionary. So we're really trying to train young South Africans to be the future leaders of South Africa. We have a lot of kids saved every year. Just this past year, we had at least seven or eight children come to know Christ. 
and, and then we're really trying to disciple them. So anything else? So, uh, thank you so much. I so much appreciate uh, Pastor Bays. He was such a huge influence on my life in high school, and it's so nice to be able to come back and, and see the again, them again. And we've got a video. It's about five minutes long. We're going to show show to you now, which my wife put together, and you'll also see a little bit about what she's doing over there. Sisi keleli Afrika, malu pagani supono loyo. Iswa imi tanda zoyetu. Kosi si kelela tina lusapo loyo. Murena bulu kase chava saesu. Ufedi sedin tuale matwenye ho. Usebuluke u. Sibuluke si chava sa. Yesu si chava sa.
just an absolutely amazing video. Very well done and an amazing missionary family. We had the privilege in our other church of supporting them for how many years? 20? About 20 years. It's my desire, and I'm going to talk to the leadership team about supporting them. These folks, I know, they, they haven't said anything about it. I know they've existed on little or nothing. I mean, they, they've gone undersupported, as far as I know, for the whole 20 years. So uh, leadership team, be ready, because I'm going to advocate for them. Uh, the ministry of the school, the ministry of planting churches, the ministry of helping families who have lost little babies. Uh, just an amazing combination. Uh, and so thank you for being here today. Thank you for sharing that with us. And we have a little closer to home. Fitz and the Gat with a mission opportunity that's just right across the southern border here. Thank you. This is yes. a great sermon. I promise it will be very refreshing. No problem. South Africa. We here at FPC, by the grace of God, are privileged also to be able to serve those in need. And this is the time of year, Christmas, where we have an opportunity to give the joy of Christmas to folks. So some of you may or may not know, but uh, we support a small house church in Rosarito that serves about 30 families or so in a very poor, poor neighborhood. Again, I'll say more about the opportunity. We also made a video, only a minute and 34 seconds long, though, so we'll be doing quickly. That'll show you a little bit. It might be a little hard to see, but these are some of the faces and the families that are in need and being ministered to across, uh, just right across our border. And you can see. Christo Vive is the name of this church, and again, we'll tell you how you all can help partner with us as we go down and, and help spread some of that Christmas joy. Right, so the specific need that we're requesting your help with is um, to help the kids have a Christmas with actual presents. Um, th there's um, like pictures and what they are hoping to, be, uh, to receive, and thanks to Pat Bays and Karen Contreras, they're all hanging up in the shape of a Christmas tree on the side wall next to Jamie back there. So if you want to um, be part of this, please pick one up. Let me know who you took and, um, and just get them the present that they are hoping to get. A lot of the kids, so all of these kids live with their family. This is not an orphanage, um, but it's very, very low income. And um, the parents have a hard time meeting even the needs, let alone the wants of the kids. So that's where we're going to try to come in. 
this is an opportunity at Christmas time. If the Lord allows, we may continue this, you know, with other things during the year. But at this time, this is for Christmas. So the, practic the practical advice is please get them something that is new, uh, something that is on their list. If they, they say specifically what it is they want, and, uh, and let me know and uh, get it back to me by December 21st. We have about 10 left because um, they've been flying like hotcakes. We had 27. <laughs> and on the back, so there's a label. So go to the desk. Yeah, my contact info right there. Contact the desk and uh, we'll get off the stage. Thank you. God bless. Thank you very much. Well, that's amazing. Two amazing video presentations on missions and opportunities. So first 10 people or so back there. Take one of those kids' names and be a blessing to somebody you probably. Or you know what? We might be able to see them because we, we can be, you guys take trips down about once a month or so. And you could even, maybe we could do something for that Christmas. Yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, you know what? You got all day. So I'm not doing anything for a while. So we got no problem. How many know Lee Strobel? That name. Lee Strobel. Yeah. Just about everybody. The case for Christ. Uh, he was, uh, as, an investigative re reporter was, a, I think, an atheist, not agnostic, but an atheist, who decided to disprove uh, the, the fact of Christ and, and in the process came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So he has a, another book. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, The Case for Christmas. And in The Case for Christmas, he talks about uh, mainly four different things, but uh, he, he started this quest by asking himself the questions, did Christmas really happen? And, and in that, was there any irrefutable proof, which we would call empirical evidence, irrefutable? Uh, and uh, if so, then what do we do with that truth? He talks about growing up, hearing stories about Christ and Christmas, uh, but then as he grew older and a little more skeptical, uh, he became this investigative reporter and he determined some things. First of all, virgins don't get pregnant. He determined that. Secondly, God doesn't become a baby. He determined that. And he finally figured out or in his own mind that Christmas was kind of an orgy of commercialism um, and materialism driven by corporate greed. Sounds like a real pleasant guy. <laughs> Just a real pleasant outlook on life. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, uh, if you don't know Christ, that's exactly uh, what it all is. So he put the Jesus story in the same category as Santa Claus. It was a feel-good fable and nothing else. But a couple of things prompted him to take another look. One of them was his agnostic wife, not atheist, agnostic wife, got saved. That made a difference. Ladies, you have an incredible influence on your husband, an incredible influence. Use it for good. Uh, the second thing was he, he ran into, he was doing a story, and he ran into a family called the Delgado family in uh, Chicago area, and they were, they had, I mean, their story, I, I wish I had time to go into it, uh, basically they were just a devastated family financially, uh, physically, in every way, and yet they had this incredible strength and trust in Christ as their personal Savior, and it so influenced him. So even when you're going through suffering, even when you're going through trials, even when you're going through the worst things that you think could happen to you, be sure people are watching you. And here Lee Strobel uh, came to reevaluate all of this. Just put him on a, another fact-finding 
uh, mission. What really happened to the shepherds that night? Was it a hoax? Was it a, just a lie? Was it a hallucination? Were they, you know, were they smoking something or chewing something? Could it be true? Was it a pivotal, a pivotal point in history? And just as the shepherds, the Bible says, hasted to go to Bethlehem, uh, he determined to fact-check the whole story. Was there really, in fact, a manger? If there was, who was in the manger? And could he be the long-awaited Messiah promised to Israel from time immemorial? And today, we're going to investigate one of the bodies of evidence that he, he tapped, and that is the eyewitness evidence. Eyewitness Have you ever been a, uh, a witness in a courtroom drama somewhere? Uh, an eyewitness who saw what went down, who saw what happened? If you go into a court of law and you're testifying and you said, I heard that so-and-so stole that money, they're going to say, uh, we object to that. That's hearsay evidence. But if you go into that same court of law and you say, I'm here to tell you I saw him reach into the cash register and take that money and exit the store, I was an eyewitness, then you and your testimony is valid in a court of law. So we have eyewitness testimony to the factuality of the whole Christmas story. And I mainly point you to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And if you'll turn to Luke chapter 1, we'll begin today. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John uh, tell us a lot about the, these incidences and record uh, other eyewitness testimonies to the veracity of what we know as the Christmas story. Matthew was also known, you know what his other name was? Levi. And he was a what? Tax collector, and as a tax collector, was very popular with the people in Israel, right? Just like IRS agents are today, just like the Franchise Tax Board is today. Not their favorite people in Rome, they, in, in Israel. They didn't like the, Roman, the, the Jews who were working for the Romans in extracting taxes because sometimes they took too much. They, would, they were crooked. They were not uh, honest in their dealings. Mark was an associate of Peter's. He was not one of the original 12 uh, disciples. Neither was Luke. Luke was a physician and wrote, and, and it's interesting, as a physician, what he writes in some of his eyewitness testimony is really important. And, um, and John was, was one of the 12, and in fact, part of the innermost circle of three. Uh, so he was very close to the Lord Jesus Christ. So all recorded eyewitness testimonies. First of all, we, we would talk to Mary and want to interview her in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And they might ask her, state your name and occupation. She would say, I am Mary, I am uh, the virgin, I am a wife to Joseph, uh, engaged to him, and I was the mother of Jesus Christ. Here's how it reads in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee, named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying. Well, I guess you would be too. If, in fact, an angel appeared to you and you knew this was some kind of supernatural being. And so she was a little troubled and cast in her mind what matter of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. Now listen to this. And imagine, ladies, you in her position as a young, unmarried, but engaged, 
lady, uh, behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of, the, of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then said Mary unto the angel what every one of you would have said to the angel if you had the courage to speak out to a supernatural being. How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And what she was saying was, I do not know a man in a carnal way. I do not know a man in a sexual way. She obviously knew men, but she didn't know them in the sense of having a relationship physically with him. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which is born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. And then he says something very important. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. What are you facing today that feels impossible? What kind of circumstances are you in that seem like there's no real answer? It's just impossible. I don't know what in the world. I'm gonna, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. Impossible situations, but always remember, with God, nothing is impossible. If, in fact, a virgin can conceive, if, in fact, a virgin can have a son with a Y chromosome without the agency of a dad, of a human dad, with God, nothing is impossible. And Mary said, Behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. Now listen to what she says. Be it unto me according to thy word. She didn't protest. She didn't complain. She didn't gripe. She didn't say, But what are people going to think? She, she wasn't concerned about all that. She was a young lady who loved God, and when God had a perfect will for her life, and God revealed that perfect will for her life, she said, so be it unto me according to thy word, and the angel departed from her. We have Mary's testimony, Mary's testimony of what happened. She was there, eyewitness account of an interchange with the angel. Then there's secondly, there's Joseph, Matthew chapter 1. So hold your place in Luke, flip over to Matthew chapter 1. Joseph, what's your name? I'm Joseph, I'm of Bethlehem, and I'm a carpenter, and I'm engaged to Mary. Now, the birth of Jesus in verse 18 of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when, as his mother Mary was espoused, promised to, this was more than just an engagement like we have in America, this was like they were already committed to each other without having actually been uh, intimate with each other. They, they weren't living together yet, but they were promised to each other. When his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, and <clears throat> before they came together, she was found with child out of or of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, tells you a little bit about him, not willing to make her a public example because she could have been stoned to death carrying a baby without him being involved in, in any way. And as far as he knew, some other guy had been involved in her life. And, but he didn't want to make a public example, didn't want to stone to death, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, don't be afraid to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of or out of or from or proceeds from the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, from Isaiah, and bring forth a son, and they shall call his name 
Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife, and he knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. He did not become involved with her. He took it as his complete wife, fulfilled wife, but he was not physically intimate and involved with her at this point in time. What accounts for this change of mind from I'm going to put her away privately, I'm going to break off this betrothal, I'm going to end our relationship, I'm going to have her put away. What, what changed that made him go from that to I'm going to take her as my wife and I'm not going to touch her in a physical way until after um, this child that is holy and from God is born of her, this virgin. And so here's the testimony of Joseph who had every reason to feel crushed who had every reason to feel betrayed, who had every reason to execute judgment upon Mary, but he was an eyewitness of the angel who appeared to him and explained what was going on. The third witness would be Elizabeth. Uh, what's your name? I'm Elizabeth. And what's your occupation? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm cousin to Mary, the virgin, who's going to give birth to the Messiah. And I'm wife to Zacharias. And in Luke chapter 1, again, in verse 39, and Mary rose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, listen to this, the babe leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Something special happened when Mary showed up at their house and she spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are thou among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the baby leapt in my womb for joy. As far as we know, Mary hadn't made contact with Elizabeth before this. As far as we know, she showed up unexpected. She showed up all of a sudden in Zacharias' home, saw her cousin, gave her a greeting, and the baby leapt in Elizabeth's womb, and the, she was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she knew, because she was filled with the Holy Spirit, she knew now that Mary, her cousin, was carrying the Messiah, the promised one of old. And so here's her testimony, uh, given uh, quite freely and preserved in Luke chapter 1. Number four, there's the angel, and along with the angel, the choirs in chapter 2 and verses 8 through 14. And if we were to address these angels, who are you? I'm the servant of the Most High. And we together compile part of angel armies. And we're doing the bidding. Uh, we're the messengers for God in heaven above. And so here's what it says in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2. There were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were very afraid. They were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I want you to imagine being out in the fields with your flocks. I want you to imagine the chill maybe of the night. I want you to imagine maybe being sleepy, maybe getting ready to take a nap or, or to fall asleep. 
And I want you to all of a sudden imagine an angel appearing to you, as he did to Mary, as he did to Joseph, and, and speaking with you and explaining that uh, the, the mystery of the ages is being fulfilled and the promise of that, 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 that history will, uh, the hinges of history will, will swing on is coming to pass now in the city, the little town, really, of Bethlehem, the city of David. I want you to know that uh, that, that, that promised one, uh, God with us, is taking place right now in Bethlehem. And so, and so the angel and the choir uh, sang and, and announced and, and comforted and told them, don't be afraid, but here's what you're going to find. You're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes. Now, I, I read uh, one time, I thought make swaddling clothes. You know, I think I picture this soft little blankie, you know, with, with maybe little drums, toy drums printed on it, and little soldiers, or uh, I don't know, maybe maybe a teddy bear pattern on it. You know what swaddling clothes were? They would take, uh, they would take sometimes pretty coarse fabric, and they would uh, wash it in extremely hot water, and they would uh, dip it in salt to disinfect these clothes, and then they would wrap tightly their newborns to keep them uh, from any infection. And so these weren't cuddly little fuzzy blankies, or binkies, or whatever. These were these were swaddling clothes. These were to, to keep away any infection. These were uh, to protect and to make that baby feel snuggle and safe. And that's what they did for their young ones. And so they're they're announcing this is what you're going to find in Bethlehem. And so we see next of all then the eyewitnesses, besides the angels. By the way, if the angels were messed up, we're we're in real trouble, right? If the angels had it wrong, I mean we got a real problem on our hands. But the angels had it right. And then the shepherds uh, in Luke chapter 2, verses 15 through 20. Uh, what are you, what's your names? Well, we, we don't, our names are unimportant. We're shepherds of the flocks of Bethlehem. We're tenders of the flock. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, what, what would you say? Angels had just uh, appeared to you. They had spoken with you. They had sung. All the heavens are lit up with the lights of angels and the voices fill the, the atmosphere. Let us now go into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, I want you to notice, when they had seen it, they didn't just hear about it. This is not hearsay. They saw with their own eyes, not one guy, but several shepherds saw with their eyes. When they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and what? Seen as it was told unto them. Eyewitness testimony. They were there. These were not nebulous names. These were not just some nebulous. These were specific shepherds, specific flocks they were tending to in a specific place who went to a specific place and found a specific baby born specifically as God said that baby would be born. And they went everywhere, the Bible says, telling people the good news. And then there were the wise guys, uh, wise men. 
I know, I know in my M&M story, I said there were three. We don't really know how many they were. There may have been a whole bunch of them. We say three, I guess, because of the gold, frankincense, and myrrh, because of those three gifts that were given. But we don't know how many there were specifically. But these wise men came in Matthew chapter 2, verse 9. They were unnamed astronomers. I know you've heard in the Christmas play the names of the three wise men. But it's not in the Word of God. And so we don't know. It's speculation what their names were. They were probably not Moe and Curly and Larry. But they were something else entirely. So uh, unnamed astronomers from the East. These, these were not astrologers. Sometimes people get confused. They say, well, it's, the astrological signs are okay because, after all, the wise men came from the East and they were astronomers. No. Uh, they, they were, oh, yeah, they were astronomers, but not in astrology, okay? They studied the heavenlies. They knew something special was going on, and, and they followed this star. But I get ahead of myself. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, where is he that is born the king of the Jews? What? What are you guys talking about? We have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. We are aware there's a coming king. We are aware that a king is now in, in this area, but we followed his star. But for whatever reason, at that point in time, they hadn't made it all the way to Bethlehem, but they were in Jerusalem just a few miles away. And, and they were saying, How do, uh, where is the king? Surely, Herod, you know where the king is. And Herod's like, Herod's got what he's projecting, and then he's got what's going on in his noggin. And what he's projecting is, oh, really? There's a king? Oh, good. I want to worship him. So when you find him, he had, his, he had his historians go out, and they did research in the word of God, and they found out. I mean, these were real people. Herod was real. His researchers were real. The wise men were real. They, they came back. They said, yes, yeah, supposed to be in Bethlehem. And so Herod said, oh, hey, we found out. We did a, we did a Google search, and we found out that it's going to be in Bethlehem. So, so uh, you know what? When you go find him, oh, man, I would really appreciate it if you'd let me know so I could go worship him too. <laughs> I mean, it's the same guy who put some of his own kids to death and his brother to death and I think his wife to death. And I don't know who all. I mean, if anybody posed any kind of a danger or threat to him or he thought they were a threat to him, he put them to death. Oh, this is the same guy who... When the wise men are warned of God in a dream not to go back and tell Herod, this is the same guy who sent soldiers to kill all of the young boys two years old and under. The same guy. And by the way, oh, that edict, that event is recorded in secular history that Herod, in fact, ordered that. Eyewitness testimony. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And when he gathered the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. So we have testimony from the wise men, however many there were of them. Number seven is Simeon. Not Simon, Simeon. In Luke chapter 2, verse 25, what's your name, sir? My name is Simeon. Who are you? I'm a just and devout man in Israel. Oh, and by the way, I've been given a promise from God. Look at verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for 
the consolation of Israel. That's specific, and he gets more specific in a moment. And the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost, here it is, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Son of Almighty God. And he came by spirit of the temple, and when the parents brought in the child, Mary and Joseph, when they brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, the circumcision, then he took him up in his arms. Simeon picked up the baby Jesus and blessed God and said, Lord, now let your servant depart in peace. I am ready to die. I am ready to go now according to thy word, because my eyes have seen thy salvation. I witness testimony. He wasn't an old man who heard a voice somewhere and someone said, we think the Messiah is born. He said, I have seen him. I have held him. I have felt. This is empirical evidence, folks. I have touched. I have heard. I have seen. I know that Christ is born. Mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the people, a light to lighten the Gentiles. And John talks about that. In him was light. Light uh, was not comprehended by the world, was not overwhelmed by the world. And it was the light of all people and the glory of the people of Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at these things which were spoken of him. And Simeon blessed them. That's not all. There was Anna. Anna, Luke chapter 2, verse 36. What's your name? Anna. And, and what, what are some things 